0: everybody i'm chad bokelman i'm mark marble and
1: this is the lantern cast episode 431 that is right what are we talking about tonight godzilla versus kong that's the main course yeah and the uh appetizers which we've had really good luck with those the last two weeks i mean we should stick to doing thursday recordings again because <laughs> now for the, obviously for the same week it's coming out but but there's been last two times, uh, there's been some DC news and stuff right before we recorded. So, uh, right this evening as we're recording this, which is what, April 1st, and this is not an April Fool's joke. Not that I think anybody would care all that much one way or the other. uh, But two WBDC movies have been officially axed from the schedule. You have James Wan's The Trench, which was a aquaman spinoff from those monster things that are what were the original aquaman and ava duvernay's new gods which what tom king was supposed to be writing it with her if i remember correctly but both of those have now officially been a deep sixed. And...
0: yeah i didn't have much hope for the trench being a thing anyways when they announced it um i mean it seems it seemed to me like they were just building uh the trench um uh, film off of the success of that one scene And how like cinematically that looked in the Aquaman film, because cinematically speaking, at least, um, that's that's one of the big scenes in Aquaman that a lot of people were talking about, just how awesome that looked. Um, I guess since the trench uh, is the one kingdom that they didn't really go too deep into, I guess it could have, it would have had to been a prequel, right? Just talking about that kingdom and how they evolved into these monsters
1: i guess yeah i'm not yeah i'm not really sure it always seemed a rather impulsive decision yeah was like oh this this which happens a lot we have these projects that are really successful and i was like oh let's do this spinoff and we're gonna do this spinoff and we're gonna do that and the majority of the time that's not really doesn't seem to be a particularly effective or smart strategy. You either dilute your product super quick or they crash and burn one way or the other. And this obviously just crashed and burned long before it ever got, you know, before the camera. And I wasn't, in, I, I never was interested in that project, even though the fact that James Wan was going to be doing it made it made me more interested than I would have been compared to the new gods, which, again, it seems like weekly. Now, every every episode I get to profess my dislike and disinterest in the new gods. But that was, that was another project from the moment it was announced. That seemed it never made a lot of sense. I mean, the new gods, if you're not a comic book fan, you don't know anything about the new gods. If you are a comic book fan, a large percentage of comic book fans don't care about the new gods. Some, I know we've talked about this. Some people like Tom King stuff, but I think the bloom has come off his rose a lot, especially with heroes in crisis, which almost everybody didn't like. Uh, and Ava DeVarnay, her, her the bloom, whatever bloom was on her rose briefly, kind of completely blew blew off into the wind, thanks to uh, the Disney movie that I just drew a blank on, that she directed. Wrinkle in Time? Yes, yours, Wrinkle in Time. Uh, so it didn't seem like this was a really good match to begin with, subject-wise. And, and like I mentioned to Chad before we started recording, I was just thinking about that movie not too long ago, probably because we've been talking about the New Gods just so much over the last month on this show. That we haven't heard anything about this project, which is really weird when you hear nothing. That's like hearing about Jeff Johns Green Lantern Corps movie for the last like six years, and you know, you know, you know, either it's never going to happen or it's never going to be the project it was supposed to be. If year after year after year you don't hear anything about it, at least something like the Flash movie, you constantly heard about it. It just kept going from one director to the next, and losing this person and losing that person attached to it. But at least they were pretty consistent that yes, we're making this movie. You just didn't hear anything about this movie, and it just—I don't know—it just—I—I I thought it was the timing is interesting because, as we know, and from the uh, Snyderversers who are just like they're like—and again, this may not be applicable to all of you—but once again, it seems like it's a vocal minority of a vocal minority. It's bringing you all down. It, that the idea that the Snyderversers are just like this can—this toxic cancer on on the DC fan base right now. And it's interesting because I saw I saw an article about this, all these cancellations. And and even and it's like they have can, they can have two different views on this and entirely still wrap it around the Snyderverse. There was one group that said, oh, this proves DC doesn't know what they're doing. So restore the Snyderverse. And there was another group that said, oh, they're doing this because they're going to restore the Snyderverse. And it's like, oh, my God, just like just shoot, just shoot us, please. The only thing that might be true, though, is all your moaning and bitching probably sped it it may have sped up the cancellation of this project, even though it probably was going to be canceled anyway, but knowing that they, they were going to be delving into characters in, in situations and worlds that Snyder had, had been dealing with and just touched in the Snyder cut, people were going to rip into this left and right. This, those we've restored the Snyder cut. People are going to be savaging this movie and we are completely unwilling to accept it because, Oh, you're, you're, you should be giving this to Snyder. You should be letting him touch this. And you know, so it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I think it's, I think WB made, would made the right move in probably dumping both of these projects. But again, right now, there isn't anything WB is going to do. That's going to make these Snyderverse people happy. It's one it's complaining after one, after the other and blaming this and blaming that. So the timing was just, the timing is interesting, whether it's related to, to all the Snyderverse stuff or not, but you know, one way or the other, it's going to be wrapped It's being wrapped up as far fu- as Almost becoming a referendum somehow again on the Snyder cut and what it what, you know, the the fans reaction to it. Yeah. So that's today's news. Yeah.
0: Ava DuVernay tweeted uh, a photo of her and Tom standing side by side. It says, Tom, I loved writing New Gods with you. I'm upset that the saga of Barda, Scott, Granny, Highfather and the Furies ends this way. Diving into Kirby's fourth world was the adventure of a lifetime that can't be taken away. Thank you for your friendship. And remember, hashtag Dark Side is to which Tom King responded. Ava, I'm so uh, incredibly proud of the work we did. It was such a joy seeing you bring your passion and talent to these characters. I really felt Kirby's legacy was being honored here. And I wish we could have kept going that one Barda
1: Scott scene where ellipses. Damn. Oh, they just, gotta, they just have to do that tease. Except, the, uh, except, except nobody probably cares. <laughs> I
0: mean, I, I mean, I I wouldn't go that far. Like, I I agree with you. I don't care too much about the new gods. Well, when I say new gods, I'm I'm including. I guess what I'm saying is fourth world. I don't care about the fourth world too much. Uh, if I were to care about it, I care more about New Genesis than I do uh, Apocalypse. Yes. Um, with Tom King's involvement, I just have to feel like this would have been Scott focused, Mister Miracle. Uh, and he would have been our POV character, him and Barda. Um, so it makes me think that the, I, this this thing may be done as a movie. I don't know that it that what was dreamt up here is done forever. Maybe some version of it will exist as a series, uh, an animated movie, like you know something like that. I don't I don't know that the work that went into this story is gone forever. Um, and I think it will. I think it. I think it has potential to exist in some fashion or another, just down the line. I, I would have been interested in something that was more Scott focused, uh, that could have given us a glimpse uh, from their POV into things. And Scott's history with uh, New Genesis and Apocalypse, in particular, um, you know, that's a very tortured, tragic background that could give people a good entryway. Um, and Scott's a very kind of goofy and relatable character too, uh, at times. And uh, Bart is the kind of woman who's like, you know, can crush a watermelon between her thighs, and you're just like, sit on my face. <laughs> but uh, hashtag sit on my face. <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, I, I always, I've always thought Bart was a really cool character. Um, I don't know much about her, but she's one of those characters that, first of all. Uh, and I'm and, and I know what I said two seconds ago, but I'm not talking about her looks here, but her costume is really interesting looking. It's really cool. Um, what was so which was it? Superman Unbound. Was that the one where um, was that the animated movie where Supergirl shows up crashing into Metropolis and all of that?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. It
0: sounds familiar. But... Either way, I'm pretty sure Bardo was a part of that. And this the, the way they animated her, obviously they made her a very tall, sexy woman and, and things like that. But when she put on her her outfit, her her costume, um, it just looked really cool, even just animated. And then her history with the Furies, like between her and Scott, like they have this, they have this antagonistic relationship with the Fourth World in insofar as and forgive me, guys, I don't read a lot of fourth world, but the way I understand it is, they obviously have very contentious relationships with everything that's going on on Apocalypse. Uh, Barta because of the Furies and, and Granny Goodness, and then Scott because of the torture that Granny Goodness put him through and things like that. So there's a lot that they have against that specific thing. But if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, they also have. I don't want to say a bad relationship, but I want to say maybe an uneasy relationship with New Genesis and how New Genesis is sort of hands off with Apocalypse and whatever Apocalypse wants to do, Apocalypse will do. And the two worlds are supposed to be separate. Um, I've seen scenes, of course, where, you know, Big Barda or um, or Scott will talk, you know, nicely, of course, or reverentially or whatever to high father or Orion, but I've seen him. I think I'm pretty sure I've seen him go toe to toe a little bit in terms of heated discussions. So that sort of dynamic would have been cool to see Uh, with as as popular as Tom King's Mr. Miracle series was, I didn't read it, but I heard about it everywhere. So I can't imagine that uh, there wasn't a big faction of people who did actually want to see this film, despite our, you and I's general disinterest in all things uh, fourth world. And of course you have to talk about the people, the the comic purists and stuff like that, who are, you know, just going to be happy
1: to see anything Kirby faithfully adapted. That's that's true. I don't, but again, I, it's not just, it's not just my personal, my emotional, my lack thereof feelings when it comes to the new gods. I don't think, I don't think that many people are passionate about the new gods. I think, and we know they're overplayed to begin with. Uh, they were overplayed even before we got the Snyder cut. They're just so, it's just constant, especially in the book. So I don't know. I, I'm not saying, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say there would be no interest. I don't, I think there's a, bu- a whole bunch of other properties pe- people would be more interested in, again, and the average, and the non-comic book fan, the non-diehard comic book fan, because you can be a basic comic book fan and know a lot of, a lot of the A-tier characters and still be clueless regardless regarding the new gods you may have heard of dark Side, but you may not know anything about anybody else even if you've heard of them so i i still think it's fair to say the majority of non diehard comic book fans would have no clue about them they might know have a little bit more of a clue than the eternals
0: yeah
1: but but still i mean it's, it's very you know it's very similar kind of thing anyway so
0: all right um I, I was thinking I do I do have something, but we can just wait until later just to see if, if, if the episode goes too long, then I can save it for another episode down the line. So, yeah, let's I guess let's just get into uh get into the Godzilla versus Kong
1: talk. So what did you think?
0: So I enjoyed it. Uh, look, guys, I I think we have to put the 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 veil over all of this, the the sheen and say at the start and say, I think when you are going to review or you know review or discuss a movie like this or critique it in any way you have to always consider the intent. We it, it won't it won't color our opinions or we won't we won't withhold from saying certain things about the film, you know, because regardless the points are valid in any way shape or form, but in some respects this I mean this this it's supposed to be a straight up monster fight movie. That's what it is. So while you, it's completely valid. You can talk all you want about the lack of character development or the lack of story or plot or interest or uh, uh, inherent, uh, inherent logic to whatever happens in the human side of the story. That you say all you want, but at the end of the day, this is supposed to be a monster fight movie. That's the the title is straight up Godzilla versus Kong. They didn't try to come up with a you know uh, you know (laughs) godzilla 4 uh uh path to the hollow earth like they didn't they didn't try to do any of that like they it's just straight up look (laughs) here's the title it's a fight movie godzilla versus kong so i i you have to go on with that but that being said i I do see some of the criticism about some of the, the the human stuff but i man i really enjoyed it i thought I thought action wise, it was really great because I've, I've, this is something I've said for a long time. Uh, if you go back to the other episodes where we've talked about uh, Godzilla related films uh, in this new, uh, it's legacy, right? I think the legacy monster verse. Um, so uh, the first Godzilla film, I think was it 2014 or 2016, 2014. I think um, 14 that one was, I've said this you know, a billion times. That one was dark. And I mean visually dark that movie. If I want to rewatch it, if it's if I'm going to rewatch it in the daytime, the blinds have to be drawn. The curtains got to be closed. If there's a curtain, the lights have to be off. Like because there are scenes in that lots of scenes in that movie where what is happening on screen is so dark. I cannot have any sort of reflection or bounce back on the screen if I want to see what the hell is happening. Crystal clear. I, I'll, I i'm gonna save uh, skull island uh, skull island is almost its own beast no pun intended um the the problem that i just mentioned with the first godzilla m- movie got a little bit better in uh king of the monsters but there was a lot of darkness because you know the antarctica scenes um then you had the anytime um Ghidorah showed up like a storm followed in his wake so naturally everything was a little bit darker but it became you know visually speaking a brighter and brighter film and then in this one you've got kong versus godzilla happening you know either it's either daybreak or sunset whatever i think i think it's daybreak uh in in the ship so it's full and there's fire all around and then you have hong kong with all the neon lights and then you know the stuff and obviously guys spoilers uh the stuff with mecha godzilla busting out of the mountain happens at daybreak in hong kong so like the lighting is all there you can see the action really crystal clear the stuff that's happening in the hollow earth is really cool so visually speaking i just i don't i don't know if like i didn't hold a, a hold up a stopwatch to the film and clock the amount of monster fight time we have in this movie versus king of the monsters and compare the two or whatever that didn't really matter we got enough of it that i thought we saw enough of the titans and that was cool um and what we saw was was bright and and colorful and the CGI was really cool and the battle sequences were really cool um i think i think that's all i can say right now generally speaking i did enjoy it and i th- i'm going to have to watch it a couple of more times just oh, rather watch the whole universe a couple of more times from 2014 then into skull island then the king of the monsters and then the this um I Also I think I want to watch Skull Island. I'll do do a watch through where I watch Skull Island first and then the others. Um see if that does anything for me. Um but it may be my favorite of them. Maybe. Um God, the I was so happy when the first Godzilla movie came out just to have Godzilla back that I think I might have amped that one up, but the the series, so two things, the the darkness I mentioned, the visual darkness of that film knocks it down several pegs um it shouldn't have to be pitch black in my room to watch a fucking movie um and the the other thing was that is the the villains being the mute the mutos like i was happy to have godzilla back but you couldn't have given me a recognizable villain like you couldn't have given me given me anything that looked like something i'm familiar with like and then you know so it might be my favorite though godzilla versus kong we'll we'll have to wait and see but generally speaking i think i think I think I'm done on the general there. So what, what did you, what did you feel about it?
1: I watched this pretty much at three o'clock in the morning. Once it, once it was available on Wednesday, Wednesday morning, I watched it all the way through my speed. Well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I actually speed. I speed watched some scenes, even during the first time, because they were just, as we'll talk about specifics, they were just some parts of the movie, uh, some of the human stuff uh, that, that, really I did, I did I don't I didn't care about I know it's it's it sort a plot point uh so when Mecha Godzilla shows up at the end it's not like what where did he where did he come from I understand it was there for a reason but it didn't make it any more overly compelling for me maybe it was easier to do that because I also was running on E and it's three o'clock in the morning and I still have to get up you know like three four hours after this movie ends so at some point I will try to actually sit there and watch it without forwarding anything. And but I super speed watched it last night just to get go back and watch watch the things that were important. The initial the initial thoughts, of course, and they'll, they they'll roll into specific stuff in a few minutes. The initial thoughts were first of all, this is not this is really isn't a Godzilla movie. This is a Kong movie, which is fine because I'm a Kong guy. But this but this is but going in, be aware that this is not you know this is not an equal screen time representation of each monster and night and each why each monster has is relevant to the plot the whole story from beginning to end in this movie is Kong's story it begins with kong's situation on skull island and ends with kong getting a new home on hollow earth and everything in the journey in between he gets more screen time Part of the reason why probably there's more daytime scenes in this movie with the monsters is because obviously, for whatever reason, maybe because there's a real-life model to use for this, that Kong is easier, to must be easier, you would assume, and or cheaper to CGI, because even in Skull Island, most of the stuff with him was during the day. And since most of the movie is about Kong, you see Kong most of the time in relatively well-lit situations. I want to accept this movie for what it is and not be nitpicky about it. or be unhappy with some parts of it, and it's and, and it, but it's hard because I, I I you mentioned you mentioned the 2014 movie with the Mudos. The Mudos were really friggin lame adversaries, based on their power set, based on who Godzilla was, and Godzilla had a hard time beating those guys. The reality the the reality is, while yes, Kong technically won one round one round in this fight. The first part of the Hong Kong fight, Kong won because Godzilla was down, buried, whether he was out cold or not, we don't know. But by the time but Kong was already up and ready to go before Godzilla got up. But Kong really didn't do well at all and against Godzilla. I know Godzilla Tech has advantages over him. I understand that. But I don't it still bothers me that Kong didn't didn't do better against Godzilla at least in the Hong Kong part, the water part, he did fairly well until, until he basically Godzilla started pulling him down. He did fairly well considering, you know, the water should be a clear advantage for Godzilla, but Kong did fairly well up until, you know, th- then. And so I, I, could live with that just like, you know, the jump, the, you know, the, how they, you know, save Kong at the, but the, with, you know, jump starting him. We'll talk about that more. I could live, but the, the thing that really bothered me the most is that they, Kong was always getting saved, you know, so he became like a new new member of my karate kid syndrome club where if, you know, if you're if you're so good at what you do, then how come someone's always helping pick you up off the floor? I was okay with the save with with the restarting his heart. I was to say I was okay with the depth charges to get to confuse Godzilla. I really bothered me what they did on Hollow Earth when that bat like thing had him wrapped up. Now, it doesn't mean Kong wouldn't have got out of it on its own on its own. But that really bothered me because that was that kind of was a little emasculating because basically every single fight we saw King Kong get into that he he needed help and that's and that just that just kind of like rubbed that just I don't know it just rubbed as objective as I want to be about it it rubbed me the wrong way especially when in the beginning in the little prologue they're, which was cute when they're almost setting it up like uh, an ncaa tournament where on the left side you see godzilla with all these titans that godzilla beat and even though they don't show you any other titans kong beat because they're only going with actual footage from other movies from we'd seen in other movies that you can see on the right side even though you don't see who kong beat that he be- basically beat every beat uh, all these other titans on the right side so the only two that were left standing that hadn't squared off yet were kong were kong and godzilla that part i liked I also was willing to accept some of how Kong did in this fight, because, you know, sometimes directors say stuff which is complete garbage and something. But sometimes they say stuff which is really relevant to the movie you're about to see. And when Adam Wingard pretty much described Kong pretty much as like this old gunslinger who basically has seen better days and he's not happy in the situation that he's in and he doesn't really want to fight anymore, but he's not going to walk away from it if it basically gets put on his doorstep. I really tried to focus in on that because when you look at it from the perspective that Kong is probably past his prime, that this is probably not vintage King Kong at this point, considering how old he is, despite his height and strength that this is pro and that, and his mindset, because you actually get such a good insight into what he's thinking, I guess you could kind of maybe understand it a little more. It just kind of bothered me considering how Godzilla did in the other movies against the people that he fought that King Kong never really seemed to do He had moments. He did some cool things. Obviously, drop kicking was very successful for him since like he did it like twice to Godzilla in the water and once in Hong Kong that uh, and his agility. They did a good job showing off his agility in this movie. I don't think they did as good a job with his strength, but his intelligence, his ability to strategize, his agility. But there's just something that still irks me about, you know, plus when he loses a fight in Hong Kong, I'm like, he's out for a while. If he was just, you know, and I know that plays into the, you know, the, you know, how he gets jump started and everything. But if he had just been out for a little bit and then he woke up, then still technically speaking, he would have lost. But I don't know. I, you, I you're going to disagree more because you're, and you're a Godzilla guy, just like you probably, it probably didn't throw you to see Mecca Godzilla beat the living piss out of Godzilla. And he did beat the living piss out of Godzilla. He actually beat Godzilla worse than Godzilla beat Kong. Uh, to be fair though Mecha Godzilla's heart was a hell of a lot more into beating Godzilla than I think Godzilla's heart was into beating Kong. He didn't necessarily want to kill him, he just wanted him to submit. Mecha Godzilla because of and well I'll let you talk about more about you know what's what's driving Mecha Godzilla that there there's something personal there and he he is beating the piss out of Godzilla for, on purpose. So but again, it's going into a little some specifics about the fight that I just did, but not a lot of other things I want to talk about. Those were my, those are my initial. I I liked it. I didn't love it. I may I probably think King of the Monsters was better, even though again I'm a Kong guy. It was a good Kong story. As far as who he is as a character, I think it was respect. It was respectful on that level. I think it is interesting if we get a continuation of this legendary verse of what basically the world will think of King Kong because you think Kong, Kong's going to come out looking, even though he didn't beat Godzilla one-on-one, he's going to look really good because got to, regardless of whether the real motives for why Godzilla did what he did are known to the world at this point, Godzilla did still sc- destroy and kill a lot of people in this, in this movie. So got so Kong is still going to come out looking like more of the hero than the two that he stood up to Godzilla and he was the one who stopped Mechagodzilla and and all the stuff that. So reputation wise, you would think Kong's popularity in the world would be extremely high at the end of this movie. Uh, Plus, his relationship with with people and everything else is much different than we had seen in uh, previous Kong movies. So I'd be interested to see if that were to continue. But I just think that but it's something about it. The portrayal of Kong still kind of irked me when it came to the fighting with Godzilla. We knew he was going to lose. That was pretty much a given he was going to lose, but I thought it should have, they should have had him have a better moment in the sun against Godzilla. And he didn't have all that much of it. Um, you're right. I,
0: I care more about Godzilla than I do Kong, but at the same time, dude, I'm a, I'm a fan of the Toho monster universe. So when I say I root for Kong, for Godzilla over Kong, it doesn't necessarily mean I don't like Kong or the no, times she was featured. I so I agree with you and a lot of the stuff that you say, um, but kind of have to talk a little bit about where things are, because the uh, the uh, end credits of King of the Monsters um, show several different articles and clippings. And one of them is something about how Skull Island is being destabilized or something something like seismic activity or something uh so that really helps get us to the point where skull island has now been officially overtaken by the storm that used to surround it um and this is i want to say eight to ten years ago depending on how old jai is um because apparently uh, when the storm overtook Skull Island, it wiped out that indigenous population yep. that we saw in in the first Skull Island film. Um, so that may contribute to Kong's sense of despair.
1: Uh, despair,
0: yeah. Uh, docileness. You know, wanting to go into retirement. You know, that sort of a thing, because they didn't really like stress it super hard. But it was said that it was basically a symbiotic relationship like Kong protects these people and having lost those that he has been charged with protecting for so long and only being able to save this one girl. And now his island is overtaken because you have to imagine you you have to imagine they didn't build this stupid thing uh, on Skull Island to contain Kong before the storm hit it would have had to have been done after uh just think i mean just try just trying to imagine building that massive thing in the dome and doing that all in the midst of a hurricane i can't i can't imagine doing that it would have had to have been done before so uh or almost completed before i'm trying to think of the logistics of it but regardless kong has lost those that he is in charge of He's in this dome. He knows it's fake because he attacks the damn thing every day, pretty much. Um, and he's, he's not like going out. He's not really acting that much different because in the films in, in, in skull Island, the first film, it looks like he's just out for his daily walk when the helicopters show up and then he sees somebody and he throws a palm tree at it. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, and then after he's done with that fight, he's just taking a stroll through the water, sits down, washes his wounds, takes a drink. And there's like, oh, shit, there's an octopus thing. Oh, I'm going to eat it. Cool. You know, he's just he's just strolling around the island, which is what he does here. So almost sort of the way that they keep saying Godzilla is on our side. He's he's OK unless he's provoked. Same thing with Kong. Uh, So you got to take that into consideration. Then you have the stuff with Godzilla, which, you know, to be fair, I did throw out a, a couple of different possibilities, but one of them ended up being right. Godzilla is attacking these places because that's where they're testing Mecha, Godzilla. And he's getting he's he's sensing it. So, you know, that that turned out to be right. But how? How they they brought Mechagodzilla to life is interesting to me. The the whole because we were we were consider we were, we were uh, talking a bit about how in the world does that end credit scene from King of the Monsters where he goes to get retrieve the head of Ghidorah one of the heads of Ghidorah play into this film and it plays in the fact that they're using the sort of DNA because they they talk about uh they talk about genetic memory in this so. And they're they're sort of tapped in to this creature. Plus, let's not forget, guys, Ghidorah is alien. Uh, Monster Zero is alien in, in origin. And um, he is supposed to have had regenerative, regenerative properties. Now, while he's beheaded and his skull is there, I'm wondering if there's not still active DNA or brain or something inside of him, which um, is how they're able to get this sort of telepathic link to sync up. So once they shut down the connection and everything and the, 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 the connection is severed and the power goes into him, it's where I think it's pretty much regardless of the logistics of it. We, we, we have to be in agreement that
1: at that point it's at least Ghidorah instinct that's piloting that thing. At the very least. Yes. I, I there's probably, there's probably more to it than that, but yeah. But again, like, referring to the memory i think is important because obviously at the end when he's about to kill godzilla the, the way he does it obviously is, is he remembers <laughs> it's not just random because it's not like it's not like he was trying to pull just pull godzilla's jaw apart like kong would do he was about to basically shoot his version of of lightning down his throat the way godzilla does to everybody else
0: <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah that's what i was thinking um the fact that the fact that um godzilla is attacking these things you know millie bobby brown's character talks about why does he keep flashing an intimidation display when there's no other titans around so that was really cool so that they went that far with it that when godzilla rolls up on these places he's he's glowing and that's not for effect in terms of like the film that's got you know suddenly why is godzilla using so much of his little lights and his his uh, his his blast well because that's what he does When he's close to another Titan, so which I wish they would have established that in the first Godzilla movie, but you know they did they did talk about it. I mean they made a whole fucking scene around it in in, in King of the Monsters. It's an intimidation display. So that's cool. Um, Hollow Earth was interesting. It really lent to the sci-fi in this film. Um, You know, Journey to the Center of the Earth style and all that. But the way they went about it almost crosses the line into mystical magical like it's somehow there's this otherworldly portal that spits you out down there. Like, I don't know what the hell it, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't think we it's worth going into, but once we got down there, my one critique about it, other than, you know, it's an interesting design with everything being topsy turvy and, you know, kind of gravity is off focus. So you can jump from, From the floor to the ceiling and, you know, invert everything and all that stuff. That's cool. That's whatever. Once we got down there, I wish they would have treated it more like Monster Island, you know, where we could have seen Ankira and some of the other monsters that we haven't seen yet. Because they kept saying that the theory was that, that the Hollow Earth was where Titans came from, where they were bred and we have like the little bitty pterodactyl things and then we had like the the two big snake winged things that he fights
1: um but i would have liked to see more more of the monsters they yeah. probably were just w- wait leaving that for potential potential sequels i guess
0: maybe but they they kept doing these grand sweeping uh you know kind of you know scenery capture moments and even if it was like distant background seeing seeing some things moving, you wouldn't have had to go super in depth and close up, but you know, in the middle ground out in the distance, you see a ankylosaurus looking thing with spikes, a spiked shell and a a clubbed tail, you know, walking on all fours in the background and, you know, like little, little Easter eggs that would have been, that would have been interesting and and cool. Um, I, I see, I I think about this movie in several different contexts. Um, There's some of the critiques people give it. I I still think the critique of the of obviously the um, the the weakness of some a, a lot, a large majority of the human plot is is valid. But some people online are bashing this because of like the super crazy sci fi tech that we suddenly get out of nowhere in this film. And I look at that the same way I look at that moment where Kong shoves the handle of the axe down Godzilla's throat because that's a that's a callback to kong in one of the 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 60s or 70s movies ripping a tree out of the ground and shoving it in godzilla's mouth that's that's supposed to be just like a little easter egg for godzilla fans i think the same thing is true of like suddenly getting crazy tech because how many times were you watching like 70s or or 60s or 70s godzilla flicks and all of a sudden you go from like rural china uh, to like a secret military base in the mountains that has super sci-fi tech uh, that you've never dreamt of before and funding unbelievable and um, ABCD a- a- like like almost like it was like a freaking Bond villain va- base and you're like, holy hell, how can anybody afford this? Uh, uh, that's almost a, the, the the fact that humans have s- some sort of hidden crazy advanced technology is almost a state as much of a staple of the Godzilla franchise as the fights themselves. Um, So I didn't really have a problem with it. Again, it's, it's a straight up monster fight movie guys don't read too much into it, but I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was cool. But I keep also thinking about this film in terms of, in terms of the future, because you kind of talked about this a little bit. I I think about it in terms of, it feels like this movie is doing well. And I think we, we were saying for a while, Godzilla versus Kong is it. If they're going, if this doesn't succeed, we're not going to get more films in this franchise, in this universe that they've built. It feels, so far at least, like it's succeeding. So let's then think about where it could head from here. In watching this film, what they have set up is nobody really knows about what Apex is is doing or why, including Monarch for some reason. You would think that, you know, although Monarch reports to the government, you would think that Monarch might know something but I, apparently they don't know anything and they've become more like disaster response and containment than anything um the people who quote-unquote do know about what apex has done think of it like a conspiracy theory the man who leads apex is a tech billionaire type who's in front of people saying um you know all this stuff about protecting a, the human species and blah 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 and then he's being proven right every time godzilla attacks Nobody in the public knows at this point or at the end of the film why Godzilla was attacking. Only we, the reader, we, the watchers do. And then, of course, some members, I guess, of Monarch, once Millie Bobby Brown's character reports back and blah, blah, blah. But from the public perspective, all they saw was Godzilla attacking. Big ass monkey comes out of the ground to fight him. They fight. Monkey goes down. Apex, who they clearly have a facility in this mountain.
1: He's an ape, Chad. He's not a monkey.
0: Whatever. Apex has this facility in this mountain, but they're they're very. They, it's not hidden. Like the big part of it, the underground part of it, yes. But you can clearly see buildings built into the side of the mountain as well. So it's probably no secret that Apex has headquarters there. Suddenly, right when the city is under duress from two big titans fighting in it, Apex launches Mechagodzilla to fight Godzilla. Regardless of what happens with Mechagodzilla and his is intent or whatever. Um, it, that doesn't matter because as the public, all they see is apex releases, big Mecca to fight threatening Titans. Um, and seems to do a pretty darn good job of it until these two Titans team up to take it out. Now we know intent and everything in here, but the public, all they see is our city is getting fucking trashed by these. Let's face it. Equivalent of nuclear bombs hitting our city. Um, and just destroying everything in their wake. And at least apex tried to stop it. Mecca got destroyed, but there's still some tech, obviously pieces of the tech, large chunks of the tech left on the, f- on the rubble of the floor of, of, of the rubble of Hong Kong. So we've already seen that people try to recover things from these monster, these Titan fights and the end credits of, um, of uh, King of the Monsters, Reveals that like Titan DNA, like Titan uh, droppings and stuff have been used for farming. Um, The fact that the radiation the Titans give off, uh, you know, helps to bring um, uh, vegetation to life. And then that vegetation is like new superfoods and things like that. So like there's a market out there for Titan stuff. Uh, So there's so people would clearly be after recovering that tech, whether it's Apex or somebody else. And there's nothing in in the film that says that the um, the skull of Ghidorah was destroyed. So I'm just thinking in terms of Godzilla still would in in the next film would have to be persona non grata and someone would have to be actively
1: going against him, Don't you think? Yeah, I think I think that was one of the things that when we when we hypothesized about what was going to really be going on with Godzilla if, if assuming it wasn't you know mecha godzilla in the in the T800 skin and he was just whether he you know he was after something or being tricked into attacking either way which is both both, both of those were ta- are kind of true he was atta- he was attacking for the, for a reason but obviously apex was benefiting on this, on the short term from a public relations perspective that Godzilla was attacking all these places because it just makes Godzilla look like, oh yeah, we we definitely need something to take take this guy or take this guy out or be able to take him out if if we need it. Now we speculated that this could be if Godzilla if he didn't really have a heel turn, he could be perceived as making a heel turn, and then either people aren't going to view him the same way, or he may not view people the same way. So it's very likely the and you're right, like we talk with I like I touched upon that in in the in the court of public opinion based on what people if people don't have all the details that kong will definitely be the one they will like more than godzilla but even if they do have all the details again he he destroyed a lot of shit and he killed a lot of people and and again for godzilla he is you know he's an ends justify the means kind of guy so you know he's looking at, at the big picture you making the omelet breaking a few eggs but that doesn't mean that the perception of Godzilla hasn't taken, it's clear it's taken, even in this movie that it's clear that it's taken a toll in his uh, popularity. So the question is how much of that is, is going to be forgiven even if they know what really went down Uh, and they, and there's evidence to support, what you know, what really went down. So I, I think no matter what you would suspect, that there's an element of where there's an element that would have changed where he, He can't just count on either the people helping him or get out of the way. And the people can't count on Godzilla helping them and not causing undue damage or being or trying to do the best he can and not destroy stuff. But he but at the end, you know, but but I have to do what I have to do that they have will have less confidence that he really cares about that because he'll just destroy anything if he feels that it's quote unquote right. It does change and set up a different dynamic, which could be which absolutely could be interesting. Yeah,
0: Um. I mean, I think it it lends – if you really dig into it, I think it lends to the fact that the public doesn't know everything. They can't because the – what was his name? Nathan? Nathaniel? When he is approached by Apex about the Hollow Earth thing, they talk about how his book is regarded as crackpot theory, so on and so forth. But he points – when he pitches the idea of a titan leading them down there based on genetic memory – he points to a magazine with what's her name on it and talking about like calling her this Kong whisperer. And then right. the headlines from the end of Godzilla versus or Sir Godzilla King of the Monsters talk about Skull Island. So the public knows about Skull Island. The public knows that there is some geo destabilization in the region. They probably know about Monarch having a presence there because Monarch is government funded they probably know Kong is contained there at least by them. But some other stuff that was revealed in King in King of the Monsters was that hollow earth theory was real. That hasn't been told to the public. Otherwise his book wouldn't be, wouldn't be a flop and he'd he'd be considered a crackpot. So they're not telling people everything, which, you know, shocker government, but like they're, they're actively withholding information. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't, guess that that wouldn't continue uh after these these events no, i agree kind of a prevent panic sort of a thing do you think the egg that was mentioned in the credits of king of uh of uh of, Mo- of king Mo- of the monsters. monsters was that the eggs and stuff that the embryos and things we saw for skull walkers
1: i don't think so i still think that's supposed to be mothra yeah but, I, but I uh, but obviously, what's, what's also interesting is that if they, depending where, if they need to get into, if they needed help to get into Hollow Earth, then you assume they got the Skullcrawler eggs from from Skull Island. Yeah. But but how did Apex get them when when Monarch was the one that had the presence there? Uh, so that's 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 one of the interesting. It also raises the specter of what other what other kind of you know Titans that they that they had that we didn't even get to see the th- different versions of the, you know, in the same families that they had captured uh, to use as Guinea pigs for Mechagodzilla to, to test, to test the, the sync ups between the pilot and the, and the, the, the body and also to see just the effectiveness of the, of the w- weaponry and everything. But yeah, I, I still think the egg is, sp- I think the egg is supposed to be, is supposed to be Mothra. So in thinking and putting all the pieces together
0: of where a potential secret sequel could go, look, man, I don't, I don't want them in a way like, look, it all depends on how they do it. Obviously at the end of the day, regardless of, of what monster they choose, it's all about how they do it. I don't want them to go Mecha again, but I feel like everything's pointing towards Mecha Ghidorah. That's what I feel. You've got the tech it's laying there. You still have, you've found out a way to tap into the mentality. You've got the skull, you know, about the DNA, you have the power. Let's talk about the power source for a second. How in the world did they not need
1: to get the actual sample to the? Surface? Yeah, that made that 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 made that made no sense. That's like that's like that's like the equivalent of friggin' taking a picture. Yeah, I mean, see,
0: because they talk. So look, the idea. So they they get the sample. Well, hold on. Before we even get there, when they're talk, when Apex is CEO is talking to Nathaniel and they're presenting the uh the scans from their satellite that prove Hollow Earth is real. They talk about the energy signal down there being remarkably close to the energy signal of Godzilla, which is supposedly supposed to confirm that the two's origins are one and the same. So they already have readings of the energy signal down there and know enough about the said energy signal to compare it to the energy signal of Godzilla and know that the two are very closely linked. How then is going down there withdrawing a core sample and then sending the reading information to the surface any different than taking an energy reading from the satellite if all they're doing is trying to mimic radiation wavelengths or or whatever it is they're trying to do because i'm sort of thinking about it like as a comic book fan i'm sort of thinking about it in terms of radiation because a sun is a sun is a sun But depending on, you know, density and and age of the sun, it can either glow blue or white or it can glow red or like a, you know, a red giant or a a white dwarf or whatever. Right. But it's all the sun. It's just uh, during the aging cycle and the the different points in in a sun's aging cycle depends on the radiation levels. So. If if all they're doing is reading energy signals to determine the exact radiation level needed, why doesn't the freaking scan from the satellite that is able to not only depict that there is a hollow Earth, but apparently detect the tunnels all over the planet that lead to it? Why is that not enough? You would think you'd have to have a core sample brought up.
1: Yeah, you would. You would think you would. You would think you actually needed the energy that literally needed the the energy, the snippet of the energy you just sucked out that you actually needed that to inject it in to use as a fuel source. Yes, exactly. And it does, yeah, that 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 like, part like putting made Kryptonite, no sense.
0: Metallo, metallo. Yeah. It it made
1: it made very it made very little sense on that. I I when I when I first watched it I picked up on that too. It's like when when uh but ice mother Issa Gonzalez who's gorgeous but but you knew from the minute you saw her she was bad yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean they really weren't trying to hide it I think but you could just tell I mean just the way they framed her in the helicopter and but when, when she said that when she ba- when they basically she you knows they scooped up the sample and they and they basically did a reading on it and they sent and they sent it back to her father at the base it's like really that's all they needed to do that doesn't make any that doesn't make any sense <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, but but so so here's my thinking,
0: right? The it, apparently it's enough to just have the energy signature. So whatever, let's just go with that. It is we have the energy signal signature. Though the tech is destroyed, the tech still exists. They've also figured out how to so there there there's there exists a market for Titan DNA, uh, whether it's skin samples, fecal matter, radiation, whatever. It does not matter. Anything Titan, there's a market for. They possess Ghidorah's skull, which has regenerative abilities and apparently has either enough uh, genetic memory or there's a brain in there somewhere or whatever, where they are able to power this huge mecha and it's it's conscious enough to take over the mecha. All of these pieces just point to Mecha Ghidorah for me and the fact that even though the CEO is gone, and so is his daughter, who you would think would be the next in line to inherit the company. Whoever takes over Apex, uh, whether Apex is still entity or it's absorbed into another c- company or whatever, combined with public perception and what the public does or doesn't know or is or isn't told, all they know is it looks like this mecha Godzilla was was effective for at least a while. So public perception against Godzilla add all this stuff that I just mentioned, it it the public would then have to support an initiative to build another Mecca. And how is the Mecca not mecha Ghidorah? Like that's that's all I can think about in terms of the logistics, you know, following the plot threads from each movie. And just picking up on the pieces, like looking at the pieces that they picked up on from the first movie to take it to bring into King of the Monsters, looking at the pieces from King of the Monsters they picked up to bring into Godzilla versus Kong. Now I'm looking at the pieces of Godzilla versus Kong and trying to, you know, think logistically about, okay, if they pick these pieces, then it would make sense if they also pick these pieces. It just, I can't think of anything logistically speaking that doesn't equal Mecha Ghidorah and mothra 2
1: of some reason it would seem that way i it's really weird or difficult to entirely figure out where they're going to go with this which, which is partly by design because they designed because much like we've talked about it, they knew it too that this movie was going to determine the fate of the legendary verse and where they were going so they purposely did not leave you breadcrumbs and uh post-credit scenes tr- traditional post credit scenes since one was made, but then they, they actually just put it into the movie. So it's not actually after the credits, but they didn't, they did not want to, they purposely did not want to point fingers in certain directions and tease and do this because they didn't, they were honest enough. They didn't know if this was going to continue. So we don't know it. it there, there's, there are threads to pick up on, but there's no glaring threads to pick up on. Like they, like the, the crumbs that they've been laying out, you know, all and, and all these movies, you know, they've been they've been laying some foundation for for sequels and and for the relationships between different monsters. You know, oh, yeah, Ghidorah. And then, the you know, the the, the Kong Godzilla rivalry thing, uh, species wise, things like that. So they 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 have more of a clear road, you know, smooth sailing to go in different directions if they are going to. Uh, I I would assume, and you 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 mentioned this, so it's worth before we talk about some more specific stuff in this movie, that from a box office perspective, especially considering that we're still in the pandemic and certainly domestically where there's a, not a lot open yet, that this movie is already making good money. Considering, I mean, it's made over 120 almost 122 million dollars uh, overseas, including what did it, it made uh I think it made like 60 million in China. 70 it, it, it opened in 70 70 million dollars in china it's in its first day it made like almost it made by a little over nine and a half million dollars domestically so it's on it's it's on target where it might very well make for the for the five days canning wednesday through you know through i guess easter sunday that it's possible this movie is going to make over 30 million dollars which you know in the big picture of this was a normal box office condition and that would be nothing that'd be a horrible box office weekend considering we had nothing really close to anything like anything close to a respectable opening for for most movies that weren't ginormous in scope having any kind of you know 30 25 30 million dollar opening weekend or first five days legit you know legitimate box office not like what tenant kind of did where nobody knows exactly how much they did on the opening weekend because they stuck like five or six days into one number this is this was looking pretty good You and I had also talked about that at the end of the day, because of the box office conditions, it really would come down to not necessarily a combination of what the critics and what the fans think of the movie. And so far, obviously it's hit the ball out of the park with both of those critics surprisingly like it. Fans really like it. So I would be surprised based on where we are now that if this, there's not another movie in this series. Now the question happens to be, where they go from here and whether this, whether the interest in this movie was just a one-off because you stuck King Kong and Godzilla together. And if you go back to just doing another Godzilla movie, is it going to drop back off again? Which is not to say Kong is the only reason this movie was successful, but the the one thing Kong fans could say is that if, if this movie ends up, which would be really impressive, if this movie ends up making more money, even in a, in a suppressed box office market than King of the Monsters did, that <laughs> it would just be funny if at the end of the day, even though probably it can't happen because uh, unless it does really, really well overseas, that you could have the two biggest mo- two biggest grossing movies in the series and both of them at least have King Kong in them. And you can't say both of them have Godzilla <laughs> in, in them. It'd be curious to see where they go with it. Uh, and it's also curious, that's why the, the movies, another thing that kind of bothered me about the structure of the movie related to the outcome even though yes kong had the kong had the final say and he had the final victory in any fight so they kind of were throwing him that that con- concerning the movie was kong's movie really it's kong's story but yet clearly godzilla is the character that legendary is investing in so it seemed like an odd choice on both levels i know kong is more relatable so you, so that part i guess that part does make a little sense but it but it's weird that you're also building this ca- building the movie around the more relatable character but yet you while you ha- have him do th- come across well, you you also have him lose so that's still kind of an int- kind of an interesting dynamic there uh so you don't it'd be curious to see and who knows they may just split the hairs and say hey we're going to do a Godzilla movie and we're going to do another King Kong movie
0: which I mean technically they've done if 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 Godzilla versus Kong is much more of a conflict and I would agree with you then that's two Godzilla movies, two Kong movies so far.
1: Yes, but they but I don't analytically this is clearly a Kong movie. I don't think that's the way a lot of people are going to view it. I don't think they're just going to say oh this is a this is this is more like a sequel of uh, Skull Island than it was anything. I still think the perception will be that it's a Godzilla movie with Kong in it. You, it's just if you look at it structurally, it's much like at the end of the day, Infinity War was like a Thanos movie with the Avengers in it. As opposed to Endgame, which was an Avengers movie with Thanos in it. It's similar in that kind of way. Uh, even though, yes, the Avengers, if you add up all the Avengers and Guardians and screen time compared to Thanos, they're going to have more of it. But still, but I, it's a logical choice to make Kong the the sympathetic, a more relatable character because he because he is. I mean, he's more human. He has more emotion. He, he is more he's more intelligent. He has more emotional intelligence. And, and the fact that you add in the sign language capacity that you learned from uh, Rebecca Hall and uh, and Gia Kaylee Hoddle's character, that now you actually not just reading his eyes and his expressions, you get you really get to understand in simple terms. It's not like it's not like he's he's he has a soliloquy here that goes on for like five minutes, but you under, But you delve into his his thoughts and and what you know where where he's coming from. It made perfect sense he would be the focal point of the two other two monsters, but. It, that also opens the door where that maybe to go back to just the same formula as they're using God, Godzilla and King of the Monsters without Kong in it and just Godzilla doing his thing again. I don't know because like you talked about the the human stuff in this movie is a mixed bag. I think the stuff I think the Team Kong stuff works. I think I I think Alexander Skarsgard is surpri- is not he's I'm gonna say he's surprisingly good, but that's not because I think he stinks. It's because he plays against type. You know, this is an Eric North- Northman from True Blood here. Super stud, walking around, shirt off all the time. He's kind of played as this goofy, outcast kind of nerd character. So he, which is a brave choice on his part, I mean, to, to kind of go against type. But some people don't like his character. I thought it kind of worked. I like Rebecca Hall's character. Uh, obviously, everybody liked Gia. Almost every review says Gia, since K- that was like Kaylee Hoddle's first movie. and that. Her, fa- her background is interesting because of, of f- pretty much everybody in her family is deaf. And I think like something like five or six generations on her father's side happen to be deaf. So obviously that's genetic, but it's, it's just it's just interesting. But I think the stuff on Team Kong, not counting the apex insertion that, you know, the infiltrators, I thought that stuff worked. But I like Millie Bobby Brown, but I didn't give it a one rat's ass about all that stuff. You know, like I mentioned before, we know why it's in the movie. It's just to justify and explain. It opens the door for Mechagodzilla showing up without him just showing up and people going, what is that? And where did he come from?
0: Yeah, they, utter- they utterly wasted her father's character.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Chan- Kyle Chandler there probably filmed both, probably filmed like his entire, se- all his scenes probably like in like one or two days or a week max, depending if they had to go on different locations. But yeah. But we also have to remember this, though. And I almost forgot about this. Somebody mentioned this, that remember, this movie was re- rewritten and reedited. So we don't know how much was lost in translation because I forgot that our girl, Colleen Wing there, Jessica Henwick was, I think, was supposed to be in this movie. And but Xi was supposed to be in this movie. And both those characters are completely absent from the final cut. Which so, which were they? Which which characters are there? Uh, I thought she I thought Xi was in King of the Monsters. Was she, was she was she one them of the off.
0: Asian sisters? Who, yeah, I think who's so. Like, I, I, whose
1: family has a history with Mothra? Yeah, the, I think so. And Colin and uh what's her face? Uh, Jessica Henwick, I think, was comp- gonna play a new character. But I had completely forgot, somebody mentioned that, that all these characters were completely cut from the movie, and I had completely forgotten that when they, the cast was right. first announced, that was true. They were cast for the movie. Yeah, but so like but Millie
0: her father is just <sighs> her father drives me up a wall because First, you know, obviously we didn't see him in the first Godzilla movie, but they they make sure that they let you know that their presence was there in San Francisco. After everything that happened in San Francisco, after all of his firsthand involvement in understanding what the hell was going on behind the scenes, you know, Godzilla versus Ghidorah, after understanding Godzilla's intentions, after understanding what Monarchs, like after understanding everything, the fact that he just so quickly dismisses her is so ridiculous to me. Uh, the fact that he sat there and watched is, his son died, and though she was his ex-wife, she sacrifices herself at the feet of two titans to save them. Like, he has seen some major loss, and this little girl is all he has left, and he's not going to listen to her? It'd be one thing if, like, she wasn't involved, but she helped with the orca. Her mom taught her a lot of stuff. Like, she knows What's going on? She's got the background. She's got the 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 intellectual understanding of what her mother was doing with the orca, enough to grab it, and she got the balls to run over to the baseball field to lure Ghidorah there. Like the he's so dismissive of her. It drives me insane. It's ridiculous. But they everything they do is just sort of stumbling in I, I did like the conspiracy theorist dude Bernie I, I thought he was funny I thought he was cool I, I thought it was a welcome addition. I liked that he got to play serious for a minute with when he went to his the story of his wife and everything uh, made it, it, it really humanized that character in the five seconds we got to see that and it was delivered well. I had no use for the best friend and the fact that Bernie is supposed to be an engineer and he's not like he's not just infiltrating apex, and like pretending he has the credentials for an engineer like he is clearly savvy enough to get a job with Apex as an engineer like he's had to showcase aptitude with that. But then the high school kid, the fat buddy is the one that's supposed to hack Mechagodzilla. And he's the one that figures out pouring water on electric an electric board doesn't mix with the engineer standing next to him
1: because that summer camp html didn't work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. uh, but whatever. So yeah, I agree with you that that whole plot thread was was wasted. It's slow. It's
1: it the worst part of it. And again, maybe I would have viewed it differently if I wasn't in my mind racing against time to watch this movie cuz I wanted to finish it in one sitting But if you know and I didn't want to be going to bed at like 5:30 in the morning to get up at 8:30 in the morning. Maybe I would have been more patient to be able to wa- to to with those scenes in the movie but i do feel it absolutely sucks the air out of the room it just it kills whatever momentum is in because you're interested in why godzilla is doing what he's doing and you kind of get it the, and i guess they're they kind of give you that in a way too but the majority of the movie you know, again if the move maybe if there was more of a godzilla movie and since she's pro- you know on team godzilla technically that by luck of, not because she's anti-kong either it's just by luck of the draw that the reality is maybe it would maybe it would work better for me or maybe it just would work better in the movie but again the it it seemed really really forced but again it's one of those things where heaven forbid hints throwing these words out there we don't know what we don't know what the original cut of the movie was like before they did their post king of the monster you know yeah. reshoots because they were scared shitless that this movie was going to repeat all the mistakes which just hints that there probably was more human stuff which may be why uh, the Zhe and Jessica Ch- uh, Chatterwick characters got written out because they were, they already had enough, arguably too much human stuff. And maybe that's why Kyle Chandler's role got reduced to basically three or four lines.
0: Yeah. Oh, I did. I think we're sort of winding down the, the the thought. Oh, one of the things I wanted to mention, sorry, two things. Uh, One, we can get out of the way really quick. The blade of the ax. Is that a, a god a, a godzilla spine i don't necessarily mean this specific godzilla yes but maybe i think ancient, i
1: think it's pretty clear that it is yes
0: yeah it looks like a spine it lights up like a spine i've been pretty sure it's an ancient godzilla spine um dorsal fin or whatever the hell we call it um then i'm thinking about the and I'm, maybe i'm thinking too much here reading too much into a movie that i started this whole freaking episode off by saying it's a monster fight movie don't read into it but the hollow earth once we got to, like, the temple, there was the big carved hand, and there was the temple, and the carved statues of of, of, of Kong, uh, and the, the throne. Are we supposed to be led to believe that either A, Hollow Earth once housed humans of some kind, and they worshipped the Titans, and built all this, because... If you go based on the, the the little bit of Hollow Earth we saw in King of the Monsters, they cl- humans clearly worship Titans. But how far back does that relationship go and does it go extend all the way the, to the Hollow Earth in itself? Or are we supposed to be led to believe that there was a massive family colony of Kong you – know, I, I don't know what else to tell – of Kongs down there that were not only smart – Enough to build and harness energy but carve statues and create a throne like it had a whole culture down there which of those two are we supposed to believe
1: i don't know if they have to be mutually exclusive i don't uh, know if it has to be one or the other i think both are i think clearly if you had to pick one based on what we see in this movie you have to say more evidence supports the idea of the of kong's race originally being there before they ever moved you know migrated to skull island or some of them we we because we still of course don't know there aren't more of them in somewhere on in hollow earth uh because yeah, hollow earth is supposed to be what yeah. the size of the moon basically yeah and we and they only explored a relatively you know no. small part you was you assume but the if you had to bet one you'd say yes so they originated you know because of the, because of the, the axe because of the you know the, the, hand, the hand paw print you know the, the the throne room, which was you know the the throne, which was you know n- nicely sized for someone like you know of Kong's you know full maturity. Uh, they certainly could be intelligent, and if they had tools enough, that were to do carving. But I don't necessarily know. It, like I said, that it has to be mutually exclusive. Could be both. They could they, they could have been they could have been worshipped by who knows? Maybe the people on Skull Island, maybe some of the people on Skull Island originated in Hollow Earth, and they all migrated together. Uh, but it's we don't I don't think there's one definitive answer, but if you had to bet one, I'd bet more that, yeah, this is where Kong's species or, originally came from.
0: So uh, I, I wanted to end with a. I, I've seen a, I've seen I don't want to say I've seen a lot of criticism of this movie online, uh, but one of the critiques I saw I, was so was so funny to me in the moment. I had to screenshot it. Uh, this person says, I thought it was mostly trash. And then they said. Godzilla can sense Kong on a ship from wherever, but everything was fine as long as they had him in a monkey Truman
1: show. (laughs) He's an ape. I know, I know. But, uh, He's an ape. Not the, not the <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. This wasn't a shot at you. It's, uh, lots of lots of people may do that. It's really it's really effing annoying. Since monkeys are much further down the evolutionary yeah. scale, if it, <laughs> if ape, he doesn't have it, a tail, it, it, <laughs> an, an ape Truman show. I thought that was hilarious. Well, obviously, as we know, the containment field was was sufficient enough to block out lots of things from getting in. Well, I so. think the storm itself is also supposed to do that. Well, 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 yeah. As as an as natural cover, yes. But I'm saying the containment the containment field also, besides trying to protect what was left of Skull Island, it was, it's the reality is it was also. As I think Rebecca Hall refers to the fact that you know basically if you t- you take them you take them out of here, which would also probably be the equivalent of to me that basically since the island is we know the island is starting to go under. They mentioned the fact that it can't sustain them much longer because of its size. That if they just probably drop they just dropped that extra block that the odds are Godzilla would sense him and, and come for him. So I, mm. uh, but I, but it's, it also, but it, no matter when the containment field was built or when the concept of it was originated and they said, Oh, cause you would assume since you know, the Kong thing, they didn't really, they didn't really know about Kong for sure until the seventies and Godzilla, even though he showed up in the fifties and he kind of disappeared again until modern times and you would just, that you probably jumped to the fact that they really weren't building that. they may not have built that containment field or even came up with the concept until 2014, when they realized, oh, this guy's back, and we better, and, you know, we, we, need, we need to make sure that we need to protect Kong, since obviously they saw Kong in a much different light than, well, understandably so, but... And, and but uh, unsurprisingly, so based on being intellectual about it, but we know that's not the way human beings are a lot. And certainly and in movies and King Kong's history, that's not the way people have been to see him in a different light and not try to exploit him or hurt him or anything else. To basically be to be interested in him, to want to study him in his environment, but be pretty content to leave him alone and not and see him as a. Worst case scenario, chaotic neutral, if nothing else, and just let him stay, let him do what he needs to do. So I, but it was kind of cool that they, that there were enough people at Monarch that wanted to protect, protect Kong, and were afraid of Godzilla coming coming for him.
0: Yeah, um, that's all I got for it. Uh, I was going to mention the death toll in this. I felt oh, like God. The, I thought oh, or oh, the da- or oh, the financial damage toll. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but uh, it, I was specifically referring to the death toll because I felt like it. I don't know why. For some reason, it felt more, more in your face on this one, which isn't to say that the others didn't show it. Because in the first one, I like I very specifically remember when Godzilla wades into Hawaii, the tidal wave that accompanies him sweeps a lot of people away, right? So you know, a lot of people died there. Um, obviously, half of San Francisco gets trashed. So like, you know, with buildings collapsing and stuff, you know, people are dead, but you don't really see a lot of just people's broken bodies or whatever, right? um in in this in in king of the monsters you know d c gets flooded or whatever, and you freaking a mountain a volcano explodes while Rodan g- jumps out of it like and then when he flies over people get sucked up into the sky like you see you see death and destruction, but I don't know, I just felt like in this one I felt it a little bit more like when Godzilla rips one of the battleships in half and half of it gets snagged on him and it gets drugged up, drugged underwater. You see some some people f- floating out of the, the flying out of the, the the half of the ship, floating up. So you see those bodies. Um, I just I feel like I felt the death toll more in this film. And honestly, the most I've ever felt a death toll in any of these films was actually Skull Island, which is interesting because. And maybe it was just because you have a finite amount of people and you're counting down, like either they get taken out by skull or the other indigenous, uh, uh, like insects or whatever that are on the Island one by one by one. See in the, in some of the deaths, like, you know, those big freaking forest spider things. When that dude looks up and one of the legs comes straight through his mouth and into the ground, like the, the blood spurting. And stuff. So, like, that was definitely like, you you, you you in your face death toll, but was only like contained to what thirty people something like that. Probably. So I just thought I don't know why because it's not like it those the other films have been absent of you know
1: in implied death toll, but I felt like I felt it more in this film. But I think you're supposed to because that's kind of that's that's kind of the whole point. I mean, well not the whole point, but it was it raises the stakes in this because it's not just well everybody's perception and belief of what Godzilla was, even though like like we've we've talked about a lot that they kind of gave you the hint one way or the other in King of the Monsters based on that dialogue that he's on our side for now, that one way or the other, that perception was going to change. Even if there wasn't a real heel turn that that the perception of Godzilla was going to change, that that was pretty much foreshadowed. But the idea that the conflict and the urgency of a lot of what they're doing, even if, even though everybody's motivations are clearly not the same, the catalyst for all of this in a way is God's is what Godzilla is doing that. He's kind of like the catalyst. So to see all the, the destruction and the death and on the surface, not know where and why, you know, where, where, where it's coming from and why I think that, I think that's, I think that's done on purpose. So I think it suits the plot's needs, I believe. All right. Anything else about this film? Uh, one thing, I think Adam Wingard gets I think he gets credit for trying to for working a lot of stuff in the mythology into these like into these movies. Um, I do think that when we talked about this, too, in the past, that when he shoved, you know, when he shoved the axe down Godzilla's throat, that was kind of given. I think most people expected that because Adam Wingard said there was going to be there was going to be a scene where basically it was going to be a callback to, you know, one of the things people remember most about King Kong versus Godzilla. Now that opened the door for one of two things. It was either going to be the act, you know, Kong sticking something down Godzilla's throat to prevent him from shooting at the lightning, or Kong getting supercharged by electricity. Now we don't really get supercharged by electricity, but we do get him charged up and from being defeated and back on his feet again with uh, Guard doing that with the uh, the ship. So I thought I thought that was that was a nice touch that they basically, you basically get two of the. The, probably two of the most memorable moments, from um, King Kong versus Godzilla, they were brought, mm-hmm. they were brought in, you know. Plus the you know fi- for fighting in the water, you know, was even though they didn't really fight much in the water in the in the original, but that's how it ended when they tumbled into the water and only King Kong swam away. I think, I mean, the bat- the CGI was fantastic. the The fight scenes were re- were you know were good. They were they were pretty elaborate and they were lengthy. So we which is not what we've gotten a lot of in the previous movies. We may have gotten several fight scenes like in King, in King of the Monsters, but none of them really lasted all that long. So you did have some sizable fight scenes in this movie and that, that really, that really worked. So I, I do like it. And I think that, I think overall it was successful. Like I said, I just personally, I still think they needed, they need, they, sh- they should have done a, given Kong a little bit more of his due in the fight. Cause I think the one thing they downplayed in this movie was his physical strength. I mean, Kong, I mean, that's one of the things that should be an absolute given about Kong, how strong he is. And it, it just didn't seem like that resonated all that much in, in, in any of his fight scenes, even when he was on hollow earth, it just didn't seem like they, it seemed like that was a, a I'm trying to figure out the best way to phrase it. It just was downplayed and that kind of, and that bothered me more. I just think there were ways they could have worked around having him lose where you knew he lost, but you know, it, it was pretty, dis- it was pretty decisive that, that he lost. And yeah, like, Oh, the other, the other, the other thing, which I'm glad I could I even write it down, but I'm glad I remembered it now that I did like the, after he got, after he got supercharged well in quotes, supercharged, I did like the lethal weapon moment when he, when he, when he re relocated his dislocated shoulder, <laughs> when he banged it into the building to knock it back into place. So, it was, which is kind of funny unto itself, because obviously we we have to take from this that Kong must have a trick shoulder, because he must have dislocated it in in the past, trust he But have no idea how to. I don't think that would be natural instinct. Oh, my shoulder hurts and it's out of it's 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 out of place. I mean, ram it really hard into something. I mean, he is intelligent, but I don't think that's instinctual. You know what I mean? So I, I can only suspect that that probably happened to him at some other point in his life. So he kind of figured out, oh. This is how you get it back into place. So it was again. I, I wish he had done. I wish he had done a little bit better. Or it, was, it was more more of a draw, since Kong did kind of lose decisively two of the three rounds. But I mean, he got a happy ending at least for now, and he did get to deliver the decisive. I will admit, openly admit, though, when Kong and Godzilla when they start fighting together, that kind of is a. I mean, it's not a Cap getting the hammer moment, but it kind of gives you a similar kind of vibe. I offer of me I, that kind of gives me like the chills, and I've watched that scene like about four or five times now. That when that happens, that kind of pumps me up. When for, for, first when Kong just when Kong just shows up to save Godzilla, but then when when Godzilla gets up and grabs Godzilla's arm, and they and then they're both together pulling their, you know pulling Godzilla away. I thought that was that was pretty cool, and and Kong doing a number on him with the with the supercharged axe thanks to Godzilla. I thought that was. That was pretty cool. So I'm, I'm glad at the very least to balance the equation. They let Kong basically take out Mechagodzilla and have that moment of, have that moment of victory when he rips, you know, rips the head and the spine out.
0: Yeah. But I really enjoyed it. I think, uh, I'm looking forward to getting it on Blu-ray. am just having it on the shelf. I think it'll be cool. Um, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else. Uh, the stuff I said, I was going to, at the beginning of the episode, I might've had, I actually just remembered Dan and I talked about at the end of the, the, uh, the Green Lantern wrap up episode. So, never mind. Um, all right. I guess that means a wrap up where uh, people want to reach out to us. How do they do so?
1: Lanterncast at gmail.com. The website is lanterncast.com. You can follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Hashtag geocast to track us down there. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We are on all of those. So, whichever ones you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least to text or voicemail us 708 Lantern is that number and let us know what you think. All right, do we know what's next? Actually, almost refreshingly no. We don't know what we're doing next. Uh what is the when is the Thorn book out next week possibly? And when but is but as far sector out next week. <laughs> the only problem is it, the only problem is it, we'd have to record we'd have we'd have a really quick turnaround unless we're going to do a skip week which to be fair we're kind of entitled to a skip week um because we put out like i think like four or five episodes in a row i think uh
0: which by the way guys we're doing i i don't know if i mentioned this on air so last week right now we're recording this is april 1st thursday the week last week i was off of work because i wanted to just take some mental time right Turned out to not be much of a vacation because I found out that the new management co- uh, company that's going to be taking over my apartment complex is um, is uh, not allowing people to renew their lease because they're changing up the full format. Long story short, but basically I live in a situation where it's roommate matching and I rent I, I lease the bedroom, not the whole unit. Right. And we all split uh, utilities. Um, it's all pre split. Uh, Well, they're not going to do the new management company is going to do more traditional one bedroom, two bedroom rental, rent the whole unit sort of situation. So in order to do that, they need to remodel, which means once your lease is up, your lease is up. You're not there's no option to renew. So suddenly halfway through my quote unquote vacation where I'm supposed to be taking a mental break to reassess things and relax. I have to suddenly figure out how I'm going to move within the next month or less. So now i got to find a place and moving logistics and blah, blah, blah. I ended up finding a place. It's a five-minute walk from my sister's house. It'll be good for me, and it's my own place. But I got the keys today, and I don't turn in the keys to this place I'm currently at until the 26th of April, which means I'm paying for two places during the month of April. And uh, not only that, but I am uh, going to be moving slowly every other weekend or every weekend or whatever, whenever I have time, slowly things over from one place to another. So my free time might be a little limited. So banking up some episodes is actually going to help us out a little bit in terms of keeping up with the schedule, but a skip week might be needed as Mark said. So,
1: I mean, well, we can, again, it depends. We can, yeah, there may very well be a skip week just because in a way by having a skip week, it it would allow us, it still would allow us nothing. We would not necessarily be skipping recording. It just means we would be skipping releasing because yeah. we could potentially record back. And that way we could potentially record maybe either back-to-back episodes in one night or on back-to-back days. And then I'd have to re- be under the pressure to, Oh, you, by the way, you have one night to get this all done and, and, and release it. It's kind of nice. It's nice when you have more time, which is one of the reasons why we were able to put out the, you know, the Snyderverse episode, Technically, it was up Tuesday night, but we didn't push it until until Wednesday of this week. So it's kind of it's sometimes it's actually very nice ha- ha- having that much time. So, you know, you can just maybe get started on it and just leave it and, be, and then just sit down and do half of what's left the next day and so forth and so on. It It, it is better than recording on a Wednesday and having to have it out on a Friday. <laughs> right, right. But yeah, next
0: next week, the seventh uh, is Far Sector 11. Uh, Green Lantern 1, Crime Syndicate 2. I guess that counts since there's, you know, the, the Green Lantern of that Earth 3 that shows up there. And then I think we have another break week because I don't think I see anything here for the uh, week of the 14th that would be Green Lantern coverage related. So we wouldn't have to necessarily worry about catching up there. Uh,. And I don't think the week after the 21st because Justice League, the new Justice League title or creative team does not have a Green Lantern on that at least yet, but I'm reading it. So I guess I guess we'll we'll end up seeing and I'm not seeing anything else. So I'm pretty sure that there's really nothing until either the the end of April, if not the beginning of of May after that first
1: batch next week. So the odds are we will do those probably maybe we'll do those back to back. Are you key? Are you up to date on winter soldier so far?
0: There's only two episodes, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Because I, I assume, we'll, I assume we'll do an ep- We'll do an episode on that. Once it wraps up next month. Uh, yeah. Or yeah, it'll still, it'll are there, are there five, there's five weeks this month, right? So maybe, maybe it might wrap up this month. I'm, sure um, I'm looking at the calendar. Just This is what three comes out tonight four, five. Yeah. It will wrap up. It will wrap up this month. So probably by the end of the month, we could actually record. Cause yeah, the six... next,
0: the next issue of green lantern doesn't come out until the 5th of May.
1: Yeah. So that's that. So in theory, now don't take this to heart, but this is just us spitballing, which we do once in a while. Uh, so maybe in a way, maybe the next, potentially the next three releases after this one could be uh, far sector in green lantern in whatever order. And then maybe uh, maybe the Winter Soldier one.
0: And then the next thing I see that's Green Lantern I don't know if you saw it in the solicits, but I think it was a digital first. I don't know, but there's something in May on May 11th called Justice League Last Ride, and the cover has the Trinity, but in the background looks like the planet Mogo. Hmm.
1: Yeah, we can so, take a look at that.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I've I've got myself down at my LCS to get it, but I don't. You know, who knows. Um. And then I'm trying to find the solicit for far sector number twelve, and I'm just not seeing it anywhere yet. So, yeah, it looks like we're pretty sparse on stuff. It'll just be Green Lantern, and then we just would want to decide if we want to cover the Green Lantern stuff that's in Crime Syndicate um, at all, or just touch on it briefly, or anything like that.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. The good news, at least, we know we have two re- we have two regular Green Lantern issues coming out uh with far sector in the new series so at least we know we're not we're not completely going going away from green lantern material considering we just we just did the green you know we finished up the morrison run and then we've had two non two movie related episodes and then we're gonna probably have two green lantern comic related episodes so we're we're still balancing it out pretty well <laughs> yeah
0: i'm just see i'm paging through because i think we have more i thought we had more stuff oh the pride issue the Pride issue will have Alan Scott stuff in it, and then of course we have to consider whenever the um the uh Infinite Frontier stuff ends up continuing.
1: Yeah, I mean I but I don't I'm think so- that's until June or yeah till- I'm certainly have no issue if we want to do the Infinite Frontier mini, no matter how we decide to do it. If we decide to just break it into have like two episodes, was it six issues? I, I think, think that so. Thing is. That if you want to split it up into into two and just do one through three, and or we want to split it up into thirds and do two. Let's see, how we, let's see how it is first. But I know Alan's going to be in it, so it would make sense that we do it. Barry should will be in it.
0: Uh, June 1st is when uh, Far Sector ends. Which isn't that far away. And that same week is Green Lantern 3, Crime Syndicate 4, which has the that power ring or Green Lantern or whatever, the, the Emerald Knight yep. on the cover. So, yeah. But I don't think Infinite frontier is supposed to start until mid june early july something like that in terms of the ongoing series so yeah dc pride doesn't come out until june 8th so that'll have the allen story in it so yeah it's going to be a little while for for a little while we're just going to have green lantern to talk about and and then like i said crime syndicate maybe if we want
1: nothing wrong with that yep 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 uh all right guys uh we will talk to you later good night everybody good night